It's a crossover Thursday here on the Locked on Giants podcast as Locked on Saints host Ross Jackson joins me to break down the New Orleans Saints that's coming up next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lachlan Giants podcast, part of the Lachlan podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and thank you so much, Giant fans, for making the Lachlan Giants podcast your first listen of the day. Really appreciate it. It is a crossover Thursday show today. I'm going to have Ross Jackson, host of the Lachlan Scenes podcast on the program. He's going to be joining me a little bit later, but first in this segment, I've got to be honest with you. All right. I had about three things I wanted to talk about in this segment. And then, you know, each segment we try to keep it to about, you know, anywhere between six and 10 minutes. Sometimes we go a little over. I realize that, but I just couldn't make up my mind what to talk about. And in looking at the different topics, which included Golden Tate's comments about the Giants maybe overdoing it on conditioning, um, the Giants play of late, which has not been very good. And um, the other thing I was going to talk about, I think was injuries. I want to go back and I, and, and talk about the giants losing this season. Now I know it's not a very popular topic, but here's what I was kind of curious about. I went back and I looked at this and I said to myself, okay, is it the talent? Is it the coaching? Is it the execution? What exactly is at the root, the common denominator, if you will, of the Giants losing thus far this season? And my conclusion, quite frankly, is it's a combination of execution and coaching. And I went and I made a list of all the mistakes, the biggest mistakes in each of the game. And I'm not going to go through the entire list because it's quite a long list. And and actually what I might do is I might write it out for uh, Giants Country if you want to see the list, if you have the stomach for it. But um, in looking at this list, you have coaching decisions. You know, we can go back to Atlanta and the conservative play calling by uh, Joe Judge and Jason Garrett. We can look at uh, Joe Judge when he wasted the timeout in the, the, um, what was it, the Washington game, I think? No, I'm sorry, it was the Denver game when he was trying to get the um, officials' attention on his scoring play and he threw a challenge flag. That was a waste of timeout. We can look at, um, again, the play calling in Washington. I mean, there's so many things we could take a look at when trying to figure out whether why the Giants are 0-3. Now, people say, well, you know, what about the talent? I think the Giants have enough talent. I really do. Right now, however, This coaching staff and these players are not playing up to that talent, all right? This team is just not good enough as a whole to overcome the litany of mistakes that they have been making week after week after week. The moment that the Giants, and I include the coaching in this, the moment that they cut down dramatically on their mistakes 
is going to be when they turn things around. All right. You can have nobody plays a perfect game. There's always going to be a mistake here and there. But when you have multiple mistakes coming at critical times, penalties, drop passes, mispasses, miss blocks, you name it. If you're te- you, you, you can have all the talent in the world. And every time you put yourself in the hole, you know, it, it becomes harder to dig yourself out of it. So for the Giants moving forward, as they prepare to go down to what I call the house of horrors down in New Orleans, and I call it a house of horrors, that, that Superdome, because the Giants, the last three times that they've been down there, they've been absolutely destroyed. Bad things happen on that, that field for the Giants. As they prepare to go down there, it comes down to cleaning up the mistakes and the coaches, you know, taking a few chances. You know, head coach Joe Judge on Wednesday spoke about how he's not afraid to take chances, how he's not afraid to gamble. Well, gee whiz, I don't know about you, but the last couple of weeks, it sure has looked like some of these decisions, which are being made supposedly in the best interest at the, you know, given the circumstances sure do look like they've been cases where the coaching staff has been afraid to gamble and you're owing three right now. All right. Before your season slips away, do something, be more aggressive. You know, if you don't get it, then, then, you know, especially early in the game, hopefully you catch up later in the game. And I I don't know, guys, I mean, this has been a frustrating first three games for the Giants. They should be a lot better than what they have shown on the field. It's just the sloppiness, the fundamentals. And let me talk about the fundamentals for a moment here, because I was having this discussion with somebody and I made the comment that the fundamentals have been off and I got some pushback on it. You know, I was told, well, you know, you think of the fundamentals, you think of the basic skills for football, you know, catching the ball, um, you know, making tackles and so on and so forth. But that's my point. Okay. The, you, you can't have drop passes. If a ball hits you in the hands and you drop it, isn't that a fundamental? Isn't making a tackle, a proper tackle, a fundamental? Isn't running a correct route a fundamental? Or am I missing something? I mean, maybe I'm. Maybe it's me. Maybe I have the wrong definition of fundamental. But this team has just, you know, I go back to the summer, and I think I've spoken about this before. And I know, um, matter of fact, I know I've spoken about this before. I know Ed Valentine and I spoke about it on Wednesday's show. This team just wasn't ready to start the season. And, you know, that's a sad thing to say, but it sure does look like it's the truth. So where do they go from here? I don't know. I mean, you can't go back and, and take 10 days, 20 days, you know, six weeks to go back and correct all this stuff. You have to kind of make the corrections on the fly as you get ready for each new game. And I just hope that this coaching staff has a plan to fix this. And not just the players, not just the, the fundamental issues, but some of what they're doing. And just look in the mirror and, and ask yourselves, are you really putting your players in the best possible position to make plays? I mean, when you hear Kenny Galladay 
asked about why he's not making big plays. And he goes, I don't have an answer for that. You know, he's got an answer for that. He just is afraid to say it or, you know, reluctant to say it, I should say. Right. What does it boil down to? I mean, we can say it. Is he being put in position to make big plays? Probably not. So that said, folks, the Giants, you know, I'm, I always like to think positively about this team because to be negative just brings me down. But I've got to see it. I've got to have a reason to be optimistic, as I'm sure you guys and gals do. And right now, can we honestly say that maybe, you know, with a couple of exceptions, the play of Aziz Ojulari, the fact that Saquon Barkley looks healthy again, although he's still not running like Saquon Barkley is capable of running. Daniel Jones hasn't been horrible this year. So there's been a few bright spots. But for the most part, I need a reason to believe. And I'm sure you guys and gals need it as well. So will the Giants bring it to us? On Sunday against the Saints, fingers crossed. But until I get that reason to believe, to be optimistic, I just don't know what to tell you guys. I know a lot of you have written to me in the comments and asked me, you know, sent letters to the editor and and said, oh, this is what the Giants should do. I don't have any answers for you. I wish I did. But um, let's hope this team turns it around in their extended preseason is over and they start playing like they are ready for the 2021 season. All right, Giant fans, we've got much more coming up here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints joins the program and you will probably notice a big change in my demeanor when this interview takes place. Interview was taped on Tuesday and uh, it was a great discussion And you will also be able to hear what I had to say on Ross's show. I'll put that in the show notes for you. So that is coming up, my segment with Ross and his segment with me. That's coming up right after this. All right, Giant fans, coming up next, we have Ross Jackson of the Locked on Saints podcast. He's going to break down the New Orleans Saints for us in detail, some great stuff from Ross Jackson. But first, I want to tell you about Get Upside. Now, I drive a lot as part of my job covering the New York Giants. I'm on site up in East Rutherford, and I'm easily driving about an hour every day. Now, thanks to Get Upside, I am saving every time I fill up my car at the pump. So Get Upside is a free app. Sign up for an account. You get 25 cents back per gallon of gas every time you fill up. And trust me when I say that, savings adds up. And uh, the more driving you do, obviously, you're, you're talking $200 to $300 a month. And the great thing about Get Upside is that you can cash out anytime you want. You can get an Amazon gift card. You can have it sent to your bank account. You can do it via PayPal, however you want to do it and however often you want to do it. And right now, when you use our special promo code TOUCHDOWN, you can save 50 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. Again, that app is GetUpside. The promo code is TOUCHDOWN. Download that app today. It's available in the Google Play Store and in iTunes. Sign up for an account. Use our special promo code TOUCHDOWN. Get 50% off on your first fill-up. That's GetUpside. 
All right. Welcome back, Giant fans, to the crossover segment of the Locked on Giants podcast. And I've been talking about this all week because I've been so excited to have this gentleman on with me. He is the one and only Ross Jackson. He is the host of the Locked on Saints podcast. And I tell you, I had this date circled on my calendar, folks, because I absolutely love Ross. He is a fountain of knowledge. And uh, look at that smile. Ah, that you smile. know, you always you always got me cheesing, Patricia. You always got me smiling. <laughs> I tell you, man, you always bring, put a smile on my face. I mean, I just love chatting with you on and offline. And I'm excited to talk Giant Saints with you, my friend. How have you been? Yes, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I've been looking forward to this as well. This is going to be a very fun game to break down and even more fun that I get to do it with you. Very excited to be here with you. Well, I appreciate you, and uh, I can't wait to hear the knowledge you're going to drop on us. <laughs> and uh, my friend, let's start with the Saints offense. Jameis Winston, you had predicted back in the summer that you thought that might be the direction that they are going with um, at quarterback. Now that you've seen a few games, how much has that offense been tweaked with Jameis as the quarterback? It's interesting because I think what people expected, all right, get ready for my my really bad joke here. Uh, I think what people expected was kind of this gunslinger gumbo, and instead what they're getting is an efficiency etouffee. And what I mean by that is that instead of there being sort of this big explosive offense that's coming out and putting the ball down the field every three plays and taking all these shots downfield, you're seeing Jameis Winston in the two wins throw 20 and 21 passes. Meanwhile, you're watching this offense run for 35 plus in both of those wins as well. And that's the winning formula for this team, not changing the offense and all of a sudden attacking deep, but remaining conservative, remaining efficient and picking up yards on the ground and winning at the line of scrimmage. So it's interesting that not too much has changed, but do expect this Saints offense to continue to evolve as the offense gets a little healthier, as rhythm sets in, things like that. Regardless of how long Jameis Winston's been in the NFL, this is his first year as a starter in Sean Payton's system, which is not an easy system. We've seen what he's been able to do with quarterbacks from the New York Giants to the New Orleans Saints. It's going to take time, and it's not just going to work immediately, but it is one of those interesting sort of um, existences so far or, or, or uh, estimations so far of what that offense was going to look like versus what it looks like now. And I think it goes counter to what a lot of people expected. Now, certainly helping him out is uh, a gentleman by the name of Alvin Kamara, mm -hmm. a guy who I think Giant fans really wish the, that uh, Jason Garrett, our offensive coordinator, would copy what the Saints do with Alvin Kamara as, as both a runner and as a receiving threat out of the backfield. Now, from the outside looking in, it looks like Kamara has been that offense. He is the main guy, the main focal point. What is it about what they have him doing, especially behind that offensive line? And where is he most dangerous right now? I mean, that's the beautiful thing about Alvin Kamara is that it's almost easier to tell you where he's not dangerous, which might be like defense. <laughs> because, I mean, we've seen the guy run back kicks for, you know, for kickoff returns for touchdowns before, too. And so you could even use him as a special teamer. But, of course, he's the feature for this New Orleans Saints offense right now. That's, Alvin Kamara is the vessel through which this offense runs. 24 carries last week, and he's had over 20 touches in each of these games. You didn't see him do that much throughout his career. I believe there was only two games over this first four seasons where he had that many touches in a single game. And now you've seen it at least twice already this season. And I think you'll see it again this weekend. The 
thing that the Saints did on in their loss to Carolina that I don't think you'll see them do again is get away from the run game. They ran with Alvin Kamara only twice in that first half. They made sure that they ran three times in the first drive with Alvin Kamara on Sunday in their win against the Patriots. And I think you'll see that same type of approach. And if, if they go to the air early on in this game, I would definitely expect it to be sort of these dump offs, screen passes, tunnel screens, things like that to Alvin Kamara to get him involved and get Jameis Winston in rhythm early. Jameis Winston and this Saints offense will continue to take shots down the field, but it's all predicated and set up by what they do with Alvin Kamara. Right. And Alvin Kamara has seen about uh, on 25 percent of his his uh, rushes, I think, this season, eight man boxes, and he still Mm -hmm. figures out how to beat them. The yeah. Saints use a lot of heavy personnel, the 12 personnel. I think they, it's something like 33%. And mm-hmm. you mentioned the, you know, Kamara's ability as a receiver out of the backfield. I think it's 10 catches for 13 targets uh, on 13 targets, excuse mm-hmm. me, 62 yards and two touchdowns. So definitely a dual threat and not a good matchup for a Giants defense that just lost Blake Martinez. Inside linebacker to a season ending ACL. All right, let's talk a little bit about the receivers and the tight ends. Now, obviously, Michael Thomas is on IR. Uh, Traquan Smith, I think, is dealing with an injury. I'm not sure if he's on IR or not, but I, I think there's some an injury concern there. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot of firepower loss. How have the Saints been making up for that in the passing game? I mean, it's not all been Kamara, obviously. How have they been making up for it? Yeah, I, look, uh, you know, that's that's their wide receiver one and two out, right? And, and uh, you know, um, uh, Michael Thomas isn't going to be eligible to come back until after week six. So the Seattle Seahawks game at the earliest. Traquan Smith could potentially come back for this game. He made the active roster and then they immediately put him on injured reserve. So his three-game limit is now passed. But that's just the logistics of when he can return. There's also the injury recovery portion of it that may or may not time out. So there's a chance we see Traquan Smith this week. We'll have a better idea of it as we get the later uh, injury reports and everything and game designations. But uh, the way that the Saints so far have been trying to figure out this passing game has been mostly to utilize a, a lot of clear out and combo routes over on one side of the field. Now, they're still running full field reads all throughout for Jameis Winston because he can do that. And he progresses well enough for this offense to be able to do it. But because the offensive line has been giving up so much pressure, 64% of Jameis Winston's dropbacks against the Carolina Panthers just two weeks ago were under pressure, one of the highest in the NFL since ESPN started tracking pressure percentage. I think it was third highest uh, in the history of that metric, which is huge. And so you you see the Saints now looking at trying to take advantage of quick passing games, but then also overloading one side of the field, sale concepts, variations on some Yankee concepts where you have a, a clear out route on one side and a crossing route over the other so that you're moving defenders out of the way, particularly zone heavy teams and man heavy teams. Actually, it works very well there too. So I think that you'll continue to see them run their favorite route combinations and all and and try to find things up against the line of scrimmage as opposed to over the middle of the field, which they've had a little bit of trouble connecting with receivers over that time. But I think you'll see a lot of short passes, a lot of short and intermediate attack in that area and a lot of outbreaking routes. That's where the Saints seem to have been most comfortable so far this season. We'll see if that shifts in front of a home crowd. Now, of course, it all starts up front with the offensive line Mm -hmm. and the saints when healthy 
probably have one of the top, if not the top offensive lines in NFL, in the NFL. Right now, they're not healthy. They've just lost a left tackle to Ron Armstead, um, I believe, to an elbow injury. Um, and I believe he was replaced by James Hurst. Mm-hmm. Um, their interior is uh, Andres P- Pete, Cesar Ruiz, Calvin Throckmorton. Solid, you know, uh, center Eric McCoy, you know, is he going to be back or not? We don't know. But uh, where's your concern with the offensive line as it stands right now? Or, or do you have a concern with it? I certainly do. And and I think for me, even with losing Teron Armstead, my concern is still very much in the interior. If you're giving up interior A-gap pressure, your quarterback has no time. And when it comes down to Jameis Winston, you want him to have time because he has the big arms. So when you do have those opportunities to, to allow routes to develop downfield, you need time for that. So that's a big change for this offense. That it, That is, I guess, one of the big changes for this offense that still wants to get the ball out quickly where they can, but they're not looking to do it every single pass like they did with Drew Brees, where they were trying to immediately get passes out two and a half seconds in. Now you're looking at holding blocks a little bit longer. So you might be able to take some of those shots downfield, but that's always going to be predicated on what they can do in the short and intermediate areas. But it's the interior offensive line for me. That's the biggest concern. It's the most immediate pressure for the quarterback. And so far, that's where a lot of their pressures have come from, as opposed to the edge rushers over on the outside. And of course, that interior is going to see Leonard Williams, who Mm -hmm. was the Giants sack leader last year. They're going to see Dexter Lawrence, who is a very underrated player. He's been kind of quiet to start the season, but a guy who they are looking to turn some of these pressures that he's had into sacks. I mean, he's yep. a big body guy who can definitely move the pile. Really good matchup, I think, for the interior of that Saints uh, offensive line. I mean, what are your thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the key matchups to watch throughout this game is to make sure that those guys, I mean, look, Dexter Lawrence maybe started off a little bit quiet. He's certainly underrated, but hey, look, when you know the name of an interior defensive lineman, there's a reason for it. And he has definitely earned that same thing with Leonard Williams, who, you know, I when I saw him return to uh, the New York Giants over the course of the offseason, that was one of the first things that I thought about because the Saints had some trouble on the interior last year as well. And so it, one of the big things was, oh, that's going to be big. It's going to be a big matchup for New Orleans. So that's definitely going to be a spot that I'm watching and kind of a key for this New Orleans Saints offense. Who are going to try to keep Jameis Winston clear? You excuse me, clean. You see his passer rating drop from over 119 uh, passer rating down to 57.1. You see the completion percentage, which is fantastic when he's kept clean, over 70 percent. Drop all the way down to 57 percent when he's under pressure. 10 of 24 on on those snaps. Yeah, he's got some touchdowns there, but I haven't always been on the wisest and and easiest decisions, right? And so, you know, any of those balls goes the wrong way, that could end up being of detriment for this New Orleans Saints team. All right. So here's the big key. You mentioned, you know, the interior versus the Giants uh, defensive line. The Giants like to try to send four to disrupt the quarterback. Be honest with me now. How confident are you that the Saints are going to be able to hold them off? Or do you think the Giants have an advantage here? I feel better if they're only sending four. I'll be honest, because a part of what has given the Saints some trouble so far this offseason, early on this season, uh, has been not having Eric McCoy, who helps to call out the the blitz protections. And so the exotic blitz packages that they faced against you know, Phil Snow over in Carolina and of course Bill Belichick in, in in New England, that has been what has given them the most trouble. 
stunts, twists, things like that, yes, but pressure from the second level, pressure from the third level when they're sending secondary pressure from safeties or anybody else up against the line of scrimmage, that is what has given the Saints some trouble. So if the Giants are going to send four, I actually feel a little bit more confident for the Saints offensive line there, but I'd still keep an eye out on the interior regardless of how many players they're sending. All right, Giant fans, before we get back to our discussion with Ross Jackson, of the Locked on Saints podcast. Got to tell you about our friends over at Rock Auto. Now, I mentioned before about how I do a lot of driving. Well, thanks to Rock Auto and their extensive online catalog and their shipping right to my door. My husband, who's a do-it-himself type of guy with the cars, can get all the parts he needs to service my car. And it's really convenient. Rock Auto has every part for every make, every manufacturer, every model that you could possibly be looking for. Check them out today and make sure you tell them that we sent you. Put down Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. And start saving today on your parts for your car or your truck or your motorcycle. Check them out, rockauto.com. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, rockauto.com. All right, Giant fans, still more to come here on the Lachlan Giants podcast, where the New York Giants are going to be facing the New Orleans Saints this Sunday. Currently, the Giants are an eight-point underdog against the Saints. And speaking of underdogs and odds, you can get all the latest news, odds, info, and sign-up bonuses from our friends over at betonline.ag. Head on over there, and when you open an account using our special promo code, NFL 100, you will get a 100% welcome bonus on your account. Again, that's code NFL 100 for a 100% welcome bonus over on betonline.ag. Check them out. Terms and conditions apply. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Ross, let's flip it over now to the defense. Let's talk about the Saints defense. So just to recap. Week one, Dennis Allen's group shut down the Green Bay Packers. They gave Bill Belichick's offense fits. Um, I think they had three interceptions, I want to say, of mm-hmm. Mac Jones. Yep. Um, and the, that defense, I think we can probably safely say that they're a big reason why the Saints are 2-1. and one. Fourth in the NFL in scoring, and they're only giving up 14 points a game. Not good for the Giants who are struggling to score. The Giants are... Um, averaging about 18 points per game. Um, Saints defense, third against the run, I believe. 15th Mm -hmm. in passing yards, six sacks. Um, Where's there a weakness on this defense? (laughs) It's incredible. I mean, I have to be honest, like the the defense has been so fun to watch for the New Orleans Saints because there are so many concerns around it, right? I mean, they lost 13 and a half sacks when Trey Hendrickson went to Cincinnati. They lost Quan Alexander, who they promptly replaced by Pete Werner and then Quan Alexander, who were they able to get back on a $10 million cheaper price tag. So that was great for them. Quan Alexander won't be available for this game, however, because he's still on injured reserve, but Pete Werner should be available. Had a really nice debut against the uh, New England 
England Patriots. And then the secondary is really the story here when it comes to the Saints defense over the course of the offseason. You lose Janoris Jenkins. There's this big question mark about who is going to be the cornerback opposite Marshawn Lattimore. For a little while, it was Ken Crawley. For a little while after that, it was maybe Patrick Robinson. Ken Crawley goes to injured reserve. Patrick Robinson straight up retires. And then you're kind of sitting there with a third round rookie that the Saints just drafted, Paul Sanadibo, who I was super high on coming out of Stanford. However, he didn't play in 2020. He opted out of that season. And his 2019 season got cut short with an ankle injury. And so I wasn't sure if marching him out across from Aaron Rodgers was really the best way to welcome him to the NFL. It turns out he actually has performed extremely well. His composure is there. His his uh, confidence is absolutely there. And it's the mental side of the game that I was most concerned about because he has a ton of natural ability as a former receiver and huge hands. So you like to see, you know, if he gets his hands on the ball, there's a good chance he's coming down with it. And, and you like that for this New Orleans Saints defense that led the league last year in turnovers and, and was tied for the league lead in interceptions. Now, can the Saints continue to replicate that will be the big piece. But now all of a sudden, that secondary is their strength. Marshawn Lattimore is still there. He's got a cast on his right hand, but he had a great game last week. He had that uh, thumb surgery after the week two game or, or ahead of the week two game, excuse me. The safeties are fantastic and Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins. And then you have Bradley Roby, who the Saints traded for, and he can't even find his way to the field over Paul Sinadibo. And oh yeah, there's this one guy, CJ Gardner-Johnson, that can play in coverage, that can play in the run game, and that knocked over in a bull rush the uh, the starting right tackle for the New England Patriots last week. The guy can just do it all. So all of a sudden, this Saints defense looks like it doesn't have a weakness. But if there was one place that I would watch, it would just be the coverage over the middle and the intermediate area, tight ends in particular. You know, the, the players that you want to see a young quarterback get involved there's a spot where the Saints could potentially be vulnerable there, depending upon rookie Pete Warner being able to follow up a, a, a nice debut, but he's not Quan Alexander for you. And that could be a weakness for the Saints. Okay, Evan Ingram, if you're listening, this is the week to have a, good, a big game against <laughs> it's the It's the one. This is the one. This is for it. Sure. This yeah. is it. I mean, and Kyle Rudolph, too, who hasn't mm -hmm. been involved a whole lot. All right, Ross, I got to ask you, uh, sticking with the front seven here, the Saints defensive tackle, David Onimata, I hope I said mm -hmm. that right is on a six-game suspension, and he's been, I think, their top guy there. How have they been replacing him and, and the guys that have replaced him, how have they kind of done in Anamata's Anamaya, Anamaya, uh, absence? Yeah, I, look, I thought that that uh, you know, Big Do as we like to call him. We also have another nickname for him. Yeah, you the tell man. me an easy nickname, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was gonna, make, I was gonna let you work for it. No, but you know, we yeah. have another nickname for him too, the Manitoba Mauler, because he came in from Manitoba up in uh, up in Canada, up in the Great North there. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I thought that losing him was going to be huge for the New Orleans Saints. And so far, particularly in the run game, and so far, as you mentioned earlier, they're one of the top teams in uh, stopping the run. They only allowed 49 yards to the uh, New England Patriots last week. That was, you know, they ran for 55 yards in one drive at one point to kind of top what New England was able to get on the ground for them throughout an entire game. And so I, I think they've done a good job there. The, the key to replacing David Onyemata has been... Uh, Tano Passigno, who came in as a kind of this underrated, undervalued free agent addition from the Kansas City Chiefs. He can play on the edge. He can play nose tackle. He can play three tech. And so he just gives you the versatility that you're looking for to help outlast an offensive line who are usually going to play the same five guys throughout the entire 
game, uh, you know, barring injury, of course, but this defensive line goes eight, nine deep in terms of rotation and substitution. And that has been a big part of how the Saints have combated the loss of Onyemata is by making sure that they have these versatile, big basketball built players, six, seven, six, six, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to Carl Granderson, six, seven, again, when it comes to Peyton Turner, I mean, they love these big, tall guys to go out there because you can move them around and you can do anything you want with them along any of the technique spots on the defensive line. So that's been a big key for them. Now a matchup that I'm a little worried about Cam Jordan versus Nate Solder. And I think Cam Jordan plays mostly on the left side, if I'm not mistaken, which means he mm-hmm. would draw Nate Solder, the right tackle. How do you slow this guy down? I mean, you're talking a guy who combines power and, and, and quickness and just, I mean, he's, he's a tough customer to deal with. So, I mean, how do you stop this guy? Yeah, it's it's tough. And and look, uh, Cam Jordan right now uh, doesn't have any sacks in the season, but he's got 15 pressures over the course of three games, including nine total pressures, six hurries, three hits uh, when it came to Mac Jones and the New England Patriots last week. Watch out for Cam Jordan over on that defensive left side because he's going to want to come after the young quarterback in Daniel Jones. It's it's one of his favorite things to do. He loves coming after the young guys and Matt Ryan. Those are those are the favorite. Those are his favorite prey. Uh, but you know, look, uh, competing with Cam Jordan is is about veteran savvy, and and that's where Cam Jordan always seems to have the edge, even if he's a, you know a step slower at this point in his career than he was back in you know the the three straight double digit sack season. He's always has the pass rushing moves, the ability to be able to string moves together. He has a pass rushing plan that he's very adept at, and he'll develop it, change it, evolve it over the course of the game, depending upon what he's getting from the player in front of him. So it's going to be a tough, tough matchup to uh, figure out how to do it. And if you take the time to double team him, then you're opening up the doors for guys like Tono Passanio, who leads the team in sacks so far, Peyton Turner, who's been very impressive uh, so far, and his rookie action, and that defensive interior that somehow, even without David Onyemata, has continued to be a nuisance for opposing quarterbacks right up the middle. I don't know. Maybe if you're the Giants, you swap Nate Solder with Andrew Thomas, which I know they yeah, do, <laughs> but Andrew Thomas has played really well for the Giants mm-hmm. after a rough, you know, preseason finale. He's been solid. And uh, I yeah. believe he gets Carl Granderson, I think this week. It'll, um, it'll be a bit of a combination between Carl Granderson and Tono Passanio more than likely. And he'll draw some Peyton Turner too, but the, the, the two up, up at the top there will be Carl Granderson and, and uh, Tono Passanio for sure. Definitely. All right. And now I got to talk about the linebackers because you have a linebacker that I really wanted the Giants to draft when he was in the draft, Zach Bond, mm-hmm. um, who plays along with uh, Demario Davis, 32 years old, still at a high level. I mean, 11 yeah. stops in three games. Wow. And then Zach Bond, as I mentioned, he was a situational pass rusher. Um Really a good one-two punch. And then I think you also have a guy by the name of Caden Ellis who gets rotated Mm -hmm. in there. Um, Solid group. Yeah. Yeah. This, this linebacking core was one that drew a lot of questions, particularly who was it that was, who is it that was going to start next to Demario Davis? Zach Bond got the start against Carolina. Pete Werner, the young rookie out of Ohio state got the start last week against the Patriots. We'll see which of the two gets to start this week, but no matter what, they're all hitting the field. And so is Caden Ellis. And they like to use Caden Ellis as a blitzer. Caden Ellis came out of Idaho, played just about everything. The guy was a, you know, he played three tech in a game. He has been a safety. He's been a corner. He's been a line. Linebacker. He was even a triple option quarterback in high school. I mean, he just has athleticism 
dripping all over the place. And, you know, he had a big play last week. He was the one that had the pressure right up the middle of Mac Jones that led to the first interception by PJ Williams, if I'm remembering correctly. And then he also had a nice hustle play on uh, the fumble at the end of that as well. Uh, and you saw him make a couple of other plays as well. So this Saints linebacking core, much like that secondary, was one that had a lot of question marks around it. Less concern than the cornerback spot because it's a premier position cornerback is. And of course, you have Demario Davis in the middle of it all as well, who's still playing, as you mentioned, incredibly well uh, for this Saints defense. It has been really the reason for the revitalization of defense in the city of New Orleans, as they've all of a sudden turned into a defensive team under his watch. All right. So what's the X factor for the Saints defense? I think for the Saints defense, uh, you know, and I talked about him last week too, and he showed up, I think it's going to be CJ Gardner Johnson. Um, this guy, you can have him, you can ask him to do anything and not only will he do it, but he'll excel at it. He's a good pass rusher for you. The Saints on average, and of course there's a small sample size, but on average have allowed uh, or have given up rather only 14 uh, points in games where they have used CJ Gardner Johnson as a blitzer more than five times. Now, of course, you know, these two things aren't, aren't like one another, but the style of defense that they're able to play around him to the point where they're able to free him up to make those types of decisions absolutely factors in to the way that they're able to play and finish games. So I think that CJ Garner Johnson, his ability to cover blitz and be a run stopper from the second level up against the line of scrimmage and even off the line of scrimmage as well, when they put him back out at safety every now and then is just one of those chess pieces that you'll have to keep an eye out on. And they're going to want to confuse the young quarterback in Daniel Jones. I mean, he's not He's not new to the NFL, but he's still young, and they're going to want to give him something exotic to see, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson, big number 22, will be a part of that. For sure, for sure. Now, before I ask you for a prediction, I want to, mm -hmm. get, I want to get your take on what matchup most concerns you about this game from a, the Giants' perspective. I think that for me, it's that interior offensive line for the Saints going up that very strong, going up against, excuse me, that very strong interior of the New York Giants. Uh, for me, that is the spot where they can turn the tide of this game by getting pressure consistently on Jameis Winston, making him operate out of phase and therefore forcing the Saints to operate behind schedule. They've not been great there. And if they can make plays in the first and second downs, the early downs, and get the Saints to the points where they're operating in third and long situations, that has not been very friendly to New Orleans so far this season. So that would be a big part for me, would be that defensive interior against the offensive line, interior, or excuse me, interior offensive line, sorry, for the New Orleans Saints in this one. All right. Now, according to our friends at Bet Online, the Saints are an eight-point favorite in this game. What's your prediction? Do you go with that, or do you feel that it's going to be a little closer and maybe that eight-point spread. I always have a lot of trouble taking an eight-point spread. A touchdown victory in the NFL is a big victory, right? So for me, I think probably the Giants cover that, and but I do take the Saints to win here. And, and a big part of it is, is being home for the first time in front of a full audience since January of 2020. It's been a long time since the Houdat Nation, this New Orleans Saints fan base has gotten a cheer for their team, and they're going to be loud, right? They're going to be very, very loud. I'm going to set up one of the little bottle, one of the little cups of water 
and see if I get ripples from it uh, from that New Orleans Saints. Uh, you will. New Orleans Saints fan base because they're going to be ready to go for this game. And I think that could be a difference maker, right? We're talking about making the opposing quarterbacks uncomfortable for Daniel, or sorry, making the opposing quarterback uncomfortable in Daniel Jones. That New Orleans Saints fan base has the ability to do that, especially if there's already some changes or, or or any type of mixing up going on in play calling for New York as things adjust and you know these things happen early on in seasons that can get a little tricky for the opposing offense in particular in New Orleans. All right, Ross, my friend, great stuff. Giant fans, you're gonna want to check Ross out over on the Locked on Saints podcast. I was on his show, gave him some insight on the Giants. So make sure you check that out. And uh, make sure you keep it here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. And don't forget to check out our other great podcast offerings. We have Locked on Bets. We have Locked on NFL, Locked on Today. So many great podcasts. You can't go wrong with any of them. And they're so informative, so well done by our tremendously talented team. Keep it here on the Locked on Giants podcast tomorrow. We've got a special guest. I promise you guys an interview. I'm not going to tell you who it is. But it's an interview I think you're going to enjoy. I know I enjoyed having this interview, and I'm excited to share it with you on tomorrow's show. So until then, Giant fans, have a great day. Well, we will talk to you again tomorrow.